All right, well, I have the privilege and opportunity to, to start our series on relationships, and we've been talking about singleness and dating, and we got a, this is the start of four weeks of talking about key relationships in, in our lives. Next week, we're going to talk about marriage and, and uh, mothers and, and children and fathers and children after that, but it's going to be just a great series. I think God shows His love most through relationships, and so uh, relationships, they are critical to understand, to get right, and as we get them right, we experience God's amazing love, and so we want to dive into this and uh, celebrate all that God's doing through relationships. I do want to highlight one quick thing uh, before we move too, too fast, too forward. Uh, last weekend was Easter weekend, a phenomenal weekend. Um, it's not all about the numbers, but everybody counts to Jesus. So I want to celebrate some great numbers that you can cheer for. Last weekend, we saw over 4,874 people walk in our doors to experience Easter weekend. <laughs> Praise God. The, the great number, 205 people said yes to Jesus through salvation. Awesome. There are some of you in the room, you are a part of that 205 number and you are off to a great start being in church, get, getting in God's presence, hearing his word, being a part of the body of Christ. Way to go. We commend you for that. So uh, again, uh, this morning I'm speaking on singleness in dating. I believe that for someone, it could be one person, this is going to be a game changing uh, week. I think God's going to speak to those in the room. Uh, if you're married, uh, don't check out. This is vitally important for everybody in the room. It's, it's super, super important. Um, it's not a light topic. As I think about this topic, for some, this is like, I'm single and I did not come to church to be preached at about my singleness. It's a weighty topic. For others, you're like, I've been praying for years about Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright. I hope, I hope today's the day that Pastor Chris has a prophetic word that connects me to that person. Probably not going to have it, but you can pray for that. That's great. Uh, but I will say today is, is probably a PG-13 content day. We got a great kids ministry. Some of you got little Johnny in the room, age five. He's about to have his world enlightened, okay? It's all good. I'll say this though about little ones. Again, we got a great kids ministry. Feel free to step aside and take your kid in there. It's all good. But here, I've always had this perspective. If news is going to be broke to your child, let it be in this place. Let it be in church. If, if, if news is going to break about sexuality, news is going to break about some sort of controversial issue that, that the school's got one perspective or the friend group's got one perspective and the church has another, let this be the place that we break news, okay? It's a safe environment. See you, Johnny. Trusted environment. It's all good. It's all good. Breaking news is not coming into his life today. It's all good. So this is a big deal. Next to salvation, this is the second biggest decision you will probably ever make. It's bigger than buying a house. It's bigger than buying a car. It's bigger than career. It's bigger than investments. Uh, your decision, and we'll talk about that critical decision, your decision on finding a spouse and, and pursuing a mate is extremely important. For, for some, that, that is not in the equation. We'll unpack that in a little bit. But for many of us, it is a, it is a challenge that we face. It's a big decision that, that's in front of us. It is high risk, high reward. The stakes are high, but the reward can be tremendous. I think about Hannah and I, it was high risk, okay? Uh, I, was, I was 21. I had just, been, I had just had my heart broken. Uh, There's only one other girl I love besides my wife, and she said, we're done, we're over. So I was heartbroken. I took a fear, full year off of dating because I'm like, I've had my heart broken. I've broken hearts before. I'm done with this. So this is too painful. I've, I've messed it up far, far too often. God, I got to get it right. So I, I, I said, God, I'm dedicating a full year uh, to not dating, and I just want to be focused on you and make sure I align my heart right. And so I was doing that, and I was 22 now, and I'm a junior, and in walks 18-year-old Hannah. 
And I, I had dedicated my time to the Lord and said, God, the next girl that I decide to meet and, and date in, in that perspective, she's going to be the one. And so when she came in, she caught my attention. We connected. There were sparks. I'm like, God, really? She's 18. I'm 22. I'm not looking for an 18-year-old girl to date. She's new to life, trying to experience uh, the world, came from the mountains of Utah. She's just coming. She's trying to figure stuff out, right? She's 18. She's like, I don't want to date a guy. And she had friends that had warned her, don't date Chris Bechtel. I'm the least threatening guy in the world. What? Needless to say, she's been unfriended on Facebook. So, but, but she's like, don't date Chris. He's, he's kind of a player, whatever, uh, all that stuff. And so she's like, I don't want to date. I don't want to date an older guy. I don't want to date my first year of college. I don't want to date a guy that people are warning me against dating. I'm not going to do it. And again, we just got connected. We're like, there's something here. Like we've waited. She's waited. I've waited. Like, and we feel like God is doing something in our midst. And we just, we went with it. And four months in, we exchanged the I love yous. And that was the, for us, we determined if we're going to share that, that means that we are in it to win it. We're not, we're, we're not turning back. This is marriage material, high risk, but the reward has been tremendous. And uh, it's, it's it, for many of us, we have a story like that. We have a story where, where uh, we, we, we got together, we got connected and one thing led to another. And we're like, we think this is what God wants. Praise God for that. But the stakes are high for everybody in the room. So single people, let's speak to a few people real quick. Single people, God is enough and so are you. And God may have something for you six months from now or six years from now, but today he's desired you to be single. You are complete. You are enough and God is your portion. He is enough for you. And so just embrace that fact. If you're feeling, if you're single and you want to marry and you're feeling less than in this moment, the enemy's making you, making you feel insecure that you don't have that person that you long for, don't believe it. You are enough and God is enough and we celebrate you. Embrace the mystery of waiting and maximize this season all for his glory. Married people, stop living it with secret regret and unanswered wonder. It happens to most of us. You, there, there's a moment in time of challenge, of conflict, of struggle, or when the love isn't flowing, when there's not emotion, you wonder, did I make the right choice? And you have this, this unanswered wonder, did I make the right choice? For some, you have a regret. You're like, man, I knew I shouldn't have. Why? Here's the deal. And it's, it's kind of a funny phrase, but it's an old phrase. If you made the vow, it's God's will now. If you made the vow, it's God's will now. So stop with, with the unanswered wonder. Stop with regret. Because here's the deal. When you stood be, be, before God at that altar and you made a vow, you made a, a biblical commitment, a covenant, God says, from this day forward, this is my will, that this couple stays together. They, they are brought together. I'm going to bring my blessing and my union upon them. This is God's will for your life. So no more regret, no more wondering. Erase it from your memory. Push it away. That is the enemy bringing, bringing lies and doubt. God intends for you to be married. And again, next week, we're going to talk about the marriage side of relationships. Parents, don't let your mistakes hold you back from leading strong. Lead on principle, not What's my, not in past. Lead on principle, not your past. Some of you, you have just a past that was tragic or painful. Don't, don't rely upon that. Lead on principle, not past. Lead on conviction, not condemnation. You have a conviction of God's word and lead on that. Don't lead on maybe feeling guilty of like, oh, I can't impose this, this thought or, or this, this is how I want it to be, but I messed it up. Don't, don't let that be a part of it. Lead on the conviction that God has given you in terms of raising your children. 
teens, get God's vision for healthy relationships. I'm gonna share a lot of wisdom, not my wisdom, but God's truth, God's wisdom. So let God enlighten you and give you a vision of what God has for your future. Old timers, do you have any old timers in the room? Nope, okay, I'm gonna skip that one. (laughs) Old timers, let me qualify it. 20 years plus of marriage. Old timers, are you with me? 20 years plus of marriage, awesome. Old timers, I just need a lot of amens this morning, okay? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. That sounded like a really young voice, but I'll take it over there. <laughs> Someone's believing for a spouse. Praise God. Praise God. So we're, we're going to jump into it, but I want to put this, this topic in perspective, singleness and dating. I want to put it in perspective. I want you to understand this. Marriage is not the mission. Marriage is not your mission. Who you marry is not the end-all, be-all. If, if marriage is your primary objective in life, you need to abort mission now because it will self-destruct. If your only goal in life is to get married, if your sole goal right now as a single person, a dating person is that I need to get married, that is, that is top of my prayer list. That is the number one thing that I'm after. I pray about it. I fast about it. I, I, I watch movies about it. I read books about it. If that is your number one goal and mission in life, abort mission now because it will self-destruct. It will ruin you. It will break you. It will be unfulfilling because that, that's, that's not what God designed you for. There's more to life than, than, than being married. Um, when I married Hannah, uh, that, that wasn't my life's greatest achievement. She wasn't my life's greatest goal. She wasn't the primary thing that God had called me to fulfill. Now, I love her dearly, but guess what? Marrying, being married to Hannah does not define who I am. Our marriage does not establish my value. Now, it, it, is, it is a blessing. It is something significant, but, but in, in no way, shape, or form does she define me or our marriage define me. God defines you. I have a greater mission. I have a greater call. My call, I have a higher call that, 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 that is greater than holy matrimony. It's higher. God has given us all a, a higher call. If you're married, not married, we have a higher call. And it's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. These religious leaders were asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment? This is what he said. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is, and second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Our mission is to love God with everything that we have. Our goal, our mission is to please God with everything that we have. Our mission and goal is to, is to serve God with everything that we have. And in this, this scripture, which was found in Deuteronomy that Jesus is quoting, there was, there was religious faithful that they would repeat this twice a day. They would go to the temple and they would repeat this because they were reminding themselves, this is my mission. This is my goal. This is the greatest thing that I can do with my life is to love God and to serve God with all that, that, that is within me. This is my highest call. Not holy matrimony. My highest call is to love God and to serve God and then love others. Can I get an amen? amen. So if Jesus isn't the first thing in your life, then you aren't ready for, for dating. So I'm just gonna say that if, if Jesus isn't your highest call, if he's not your top priority, then you are currently not ready for dating. So whether you're five-year-old Johnny that just left the room or your six-year-old Susie, if Jesus isn't your highest call, then you are not ready for dating. So we just wanna settle that right now. Um, this topic, as I, as I unpack it, it needs a lot of wisdom. And I, I, the tendency was to make this a lot of fun and a little fluffy and just 
make it, make it inspirational. But as I thought back to my, my season of brokenness, as I thought, thought back to my singleness in my dating years, I'm like, what did I need most? I didn't need a friend that was gonna make me laugh. I didn't need someone to, to lament with me. I needed wisdom and wise counsel. I needed truth because my emotions were, were out of whack and, and love is a powerful, mysterious, dangerous thing. And I didn't know what to do or what to think in, in moments of struggle. So what did I need? I needed right thinking. I needed wisdom. I needed truth to, to set my course and my path. I needed to see clearly through the lens of wisdom. So I want to bring wisdom to you. We're going to have a little fun. I think we already have, but um, I just want to bring wisdom and truth into this topic of singleness in dating. So love is a complicated thing. And so with that in mind, um, God's wisdom should be what guides us, not earthly love. Sometimes we get caught up in the emotion of the pursuit. We get caught up in the emotion of loneliness, of lack, like, God, I, I long to love someone. And God, I feel like I, I love her. Or I love him. And we feel drawn to this person. But again, our, our love can, can be a very confusing thing. So we need godly wisdom, not earthly love, to guide us into making the right decisions and the right choices that God has for us. So godly wisdom trumps love when it comes to marriage and dating, and it has to trump it every time. Matter of fact, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he was a single guy giving advice to God's church. So we're going to get some advice from a single guy. But he talks about dating and marriage, and he, the way he frames it, it's, le- it's, it's less divine and it's more practical. It's not really about love at all. It's more about making a right choice with your future. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It says, now for the matters you wrote about, he's answering concerns that the church had volleyed to him. He's following back. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. So right now he's framing the context of healthy sexual relationships. If you are having sex outside of marriage and you're wondering, is, is it okay? Paul just put, put the framework within sex within marriage with one wife, one husband, that is healthy, that is God honoring, pursue that, honor that. Goes on to say verse six, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that you, I wish that all of you were as I am Paul was single. He understands the benefits of being single. He understands the great joy of pursuing Jesus and not being distracted. He understands that in the season that you're in of singlehood, you can maximize who you are and give everything to Jesus through service, through worship, through adoration. Give it all to Jesus. Maximize your singleness for Jesus. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. But each of you ha- has your own gift from God. Paul had the gift of celibacy, which is a lifelong, uh, of, uh, which is a life, uh, life of singleness. Um, not everybody has that gift. One has the gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So Paul is saying, I understand this whole situation. I understand the pros and cons. I think there's great pros to being single. So much you can do for the kingdom. I wish that upon many of you. But if you can't control yourself, but if you are prone to sexual temptation and it's going to draw you into sin, go ahead and marry. Choose to marry. He's not saying when you fall in love. He's not saying when you're drawn to this person and this magnetic thing is taking place. He's not saying anything. He's saying, here's the deal. Assess the situation. If you realize that you're not called to celibacy, but yet you are called to marry someone, assess the situation and go ahead and make a good choice. 
pursue someone with the right heart and the right mind in the right order, God first, and choose wisely. There is a choice to be made. God has given us all a choice when it comes to pursuing our spouses. We talk about soulmates, right? We talk about soulmates like it's biblical. Soulmates is actually Greek mythology, okay? Greek mythology, it's Plato, Plato penned Greek mythology, and he talked about how humans in the original form had four arms, four legs, one big head with two big faces on it. And there, there was a time in, in history where humans were ripped apart, which put us into this perpetual state of searching for our other half, our soulmate. Think about that. When you find your soulmate, you become a monster because the, because four legs and two arms come together and two faces. You become this beautiful monster of a human being. It's a gorgeous sight, right? Soulmates. We talk about soulmates. Like there's only one person for me. There's only one person that, that can fulfill this hole in my heart. And outside of Jesus, okay, we can talk about that. But really, when we think about it, the concept of one person, one soulmate is, is unbiblical and irrelevant. The reality is that you have choices to make. For some single ladies in the room, there's a choice that there could be thousands of men that are the right choice for you. Mind blown, you got options, right? You have all of these great choices in front of you. And, and, and I'm going to unpack this in a little bit, but understand this. There isn't one person that completes you. There, there are a lot of people that could, but it's a choice that you make to say, God, I'm pursuing this relationship in the right order as God is my, is, is my lead, the, the person that's setting the, the framework for it. I pursue this person and that choice can cascade, cascade into other choices. And so we got to understand that, that what Paul's talking about, it's about the preservation of righteousness rather than a pursuit of love. And when we do that, it takes the focus off of our feelings and emotions. It makes it more about godly choices, the right choices. So God's desire for us is to choose wisely who we date and eventually marry. So it's more about choice than love. And right choices lead to right relationships. We got to believe that. And so I want to share some wisdom for, for choosing wisely. Here it is. First thing is this, establish standards, not lists. So when we start making lists, it gets a little dicey. Lists set, up, lists set us up for unmet expectations, which creates a dynamic of settling. We may have 10 things on our list that were like, this, this gal, one of my dreams, my soulmate, has to have these 10 things. And then we, we find a gal, she's great, she has seven of these things. We're like, well, seven out of 10, I guess it's good enough. Let's give it a try, right? Yeah, it's, it's like this, it's this horrible way of starting off a relationship because you, in your mind, you think, well, I guess I'll settle. I'll settle a little bit. So let's, let's create this unmet expectation that, that doesn't benefit us or the person we're pursuing. And it's not God honoring. It creates lack and it's really, it's a, it's a false negative. Um, lists are a mixed bag of spiritual, physical, and material preferences. It's this mixed bag of all of these things that we want to find in a spouse. And, and again, it's, it's, it's a preference and it's consumerism. You're putting yourself in a position of saying, I want this, this, and this where God may have something different. And for some of you, you have disqualified people because they don't fit on your list. But again, if God, God says, I have a choice for you, he's put someone in front of you that's a godly man or a godly woman, and they may not fit your list, but what if they fit his list? And you've just excluded someone because they didn't fit your, your preference. They're not tall enough. They don't make enough money. They don't have this dynamic. They're not from this ethnic background, whatever, Right? And so you got to understand that, that a list can be dangerous and set you up for, for failure in a way that God never intended. So you need to have standards that are non-negotiable deal breakers that need to become the gold standard for you to pursue. First thing is this, 
Go ahead, take notes if you want. Uh, must be an active Christ follower, not an active church attender. They need to be an active Christ follower. I got a son, he's age three. He's an active church attender. He is not ready for marriage. He is not marriage material. So if that's the only criteria, that, oh yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they go to church, they, they believe in God. That is not the criteria. They need to be a Christ follower. They are, they are tuned in to relationship, not religion. They are reading the word. They are praying. They are, they are active in, in their faith, serving and doing what God has called them to do. They're an active Christ follower. Next thing is this. They must push you to Jesus push you to Jesus, not pull you away. You want someone that's going to encourage your faith and cheer you on and say, go for it. Like be all that God has called you to be. Go on global teams, be part of life groups, serve whatever you want to do within reason. But yes, go for it. Like make Jesus your number one priority. Don't, don't allow them to pull you away. Next thing is this, you must be better together. You must bring out the best in one another. You may be opposites, but opposites, when they come together at times, they can be dynamic and wonderful. That person must make you better, complementary to who God has made you and called you to be. They must be a godly steward in all aspects. They must be godly stewards. They must understand it's not simply how I manage my money, but it's how I manage my time. It's how I manage my body. It's how I manage my home. I am a steward. I'm not an owner of anything. Because guess what? If they're going to steward their life well, they're going to understand how to steward you well because they don't own you, they steward you. And so understanding that dynamic of, I want to find a godly steward is, is utterly important. Uh, last thing is this, and I love this, this thought. They must exhibit the greater love, not true love. They must exhibit the greater love, not true love. We, 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 at times we get caught up in pursuing true love and I can't find true love in scripture, but I can, I can find the definition of greater love in scripture. And it says this in John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. That's Jesus talking about the kind of love that he came to offer us. So that greater love that scripture talks about, it's not about, it's not about love or emotion. It's about sacrifice. The greater love that you are looking for in a spouse, the greater love that you want to define as the greatest love that you can pursue and go after, that love looks like sacrifice. That love puts you first. That love defers to others, not in an unhealthy way, but in a way that says, hey, let me serve you. Let me sacrifice what I want for you. And you can see that love exhibited in, in different ways. It's not about someone that's simply generous or doing things to angle it, to, to get cozy with you. It's really, it's a lifestyle and how they think, how they live. It's sacrificial. And so you want that in a marriage. You want that exhibited with your family, with your children, with their leadership. But again, you want, you want to find the greater love, not true love, the greater love that is sacrificial. Look for that ladies and gentlemen. That love should be humble and sacrificial. So measure against this list, not against some romantic shopping list. And let that be the gold standard. Because guess what? When you find that gold standard, it's highly attractive. Highly attractive. When Hannah's up here giving announcements, just cutting up, ripping on me, highly attractive, right? When she's preaching, it's not about necessarily how she looks, even though she looks amazing to me. It's about the, it's, it's about, it's about the gold standard that I found. It's in her. The, what, what God has established for me, I found it in her. And it's a beautiful thing that she's my wife. I'm cheering her on. She's, she's living for Jesus. Doesn't happen, it doesn't have to be on a, on a stage. It can be in, in the home, in the workplace. You can cheer that spouse on when you see that gold standard because that is what we want to achieve. Amen, Hannah? Amen. Next thing is this. 
Uh, second thing we, we, we want to look for is this. We want to date on mission, not a mission. Here's what I mean by that. You want to date on mission, not a mission. Um, in the church world, our little church bubble here, missionary dating is when you find someone, you're like, man, he's cute. He's got a great job. He makes a lot of money. Um, he's going to provide well. He's super nice, but he's not a Christian. I love Jesus. I'm going to win him over to, to, be, to become a Christ follower, to love Jesus just like I do. He's got, he's got it all going on minus this little thing. We're going to go for it. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to hop in there. We're going to make this happen. That never works. That, that would be called a, a mission to fail, abort mission. That is not going to work. It's mission impossible. Uh, that's, that's not how we pursue godly relationships. You want to date someone that meets that standard that God has established, but, but also you want to date someone that's on mission with you. They're on mission with you. They understand what it means to be focused upon Jesus. And, and you may be opposites. Maybe you have different calls, but when you're calling and what you've been created to, when it comes together, it's like, there's something dynamic. It's like, there's something special here. There's something out of this world. It's heavenly. Like God is, there's something there. And I'm, I'm making a choice to identify and say, I want to lean into this. Not my soulmate. That doesn't, that doesn't exist in this world, but, but there's something dynamic about that person when we're together. There's something uniquely special about the chemistry that God has given us. And it, it, it supersedes earthly love. I think God is in this. I think there's a sovereign move that we are, we are tracking and training together. We are on mission together, and that's what God wants. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Don't continue to team up with unbelievers in mismatched alliances. For what partnership is there between righteousness and rebellion? What could mingle light with darkness? And so we got to protect our hearts. We got to understand that, that we have a choice to make. We're either going to choose to walk in the light or walk in the dark. We're either going to choose to pursue someone and date someone that helps us live in the light or that pulls us into the darkness. We have a choice to make. And so I want to encourage you to choose wisely who you pursue, who you connect your heart to, because it's about heart alignment and what God has for you. When Hannah and I, we were dating about year two, we had this, this, this uh, come to Jesus moment, if you will. Um, I felt called into ministry and I love the local church and she had other passions. And we just had this moment where we, we, we had to say, hold on, we love each other. We feel like God is in this, but let's assess this. Here's my mission. Here's what I feel God has called me to do. Does it work for you? And we had to have this, this moment where we just clarified our hearts and our future and we didn't hold on to things too tightly. We said, God, yeah, we can see it going a couple different ways and we trust you with it. But we had to have that hard conversation to make sure that we were on track with our mission, what God has called us to do. As I close, the last thing is this. We need to guard our hearts and protect our purity. We need to guard our hearts and protect our purity. Um, the best defense is a great offense. An author by the name of Levi Lusco, he said this, it's easy to lower your standards when you are hungry. Some of you, you're hungry for relationship. You may not say it like this, but you feel a little desperate. You're longing for love. You're longing for a heart connection. You're longing for a spouse and for a mate. And understand this is that, is that when we are hungry for something other than Jesus, we lower our standards. When I'm, when I'm hungry, I'm going to be hungry after this message. I'll eat just about anything. Maybe even Wendy's. I'll, I'll go there. That's, that's fine. I'll eat just about anything, right? Because I'm hungry for something to fill me. In a relationship dynamic, when you are hungry for something, the first thing you should feed on is Jesus. 
feed on his word, consume Jesus. Let Jesus fill you up because when he fills you up, you won't be prone to lowering your standards. You keep your standards really high and that's what we want. We want to keep our standards high. Again, be hungry, feast on Jesus. Let that be your greatest defense and protect what you allow your heart to attach to. Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, guard your heart above all else for it sets the course of your life. Also says this in Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. There are people in this room right now that you have a desire of your heart and that's to be married someday. I believe that's from the Lord. If God wanted you to live a life in a, in a different way, you would have an inkling or an understanding that I think I might be single for the rest of my life. You would probably know that that's a spiritual gift that God would give you. But if there's a desire in your heart to saying, man, I want to be married someday. Praise God. Praise God you've identified that that's your call in life. We celebrate that. We cheer you on. Single people, uh, even young people that, that identify like someday I want, to, I want to be married. I want to raise a family. As for me, praise God, we cheer you on. My prayer in just a little bit is that God would protect your heart, that you would protect your purity, that you would have the gold standard that He's called you to, that you'd be focused to make wise choices, that you would date on mission, and that God would fill you. And as you, as you delight yourself in the Lord, that you would trust that He would give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Can you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your wisdom and for your truth. And Father God, I pray that there'd be no condemnation in this room. God, I pray that there'd be no fear or anxiety. God, I pray that there would not be worry that, that makes us feel like less than, that we're incomplete without someone else. God, I pray for every divorced man and woman in this room. God, there's brokenness there, but Lord, I pray that you bring beauty out of ashes. God, I pray you bring restoration to their heart. And God, whatever their future may be, Lord, I pray, may they trust you with it. May they be faithful to you first and foremost. May faithfulness be upon them. God, I pray for every single person in this room that is, that is endeavoring to date and they're, they're in the dating scene. Lord, I pray that you, you clear their vision through the, through the lens of wisdom, that there would not be mystery, that there would not be um, lack of understanding, but Lord, I pray that wisdom would rule supreme in Jesus' name that love and emotion would not be the thing that drives them, but, but godly wisdom, which cascades into godly love, would, would be their guide in Jesus' name. God, I pray for parents. Lord, I pray that parents would instill great values, would help establish the gold standard. And that, Father God, they would lead out of passion, out of conviction. And that, God, they would help create a legacy of healthy relationships and healthy marriages for their children in Jesus' name. So God, I pray that you speak to us today and through this series on key relationships. God, we thank you that you have great things in our future, that you want to bless us, prosper us, bring in your favor into our lives. And God, we receive it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.